Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Atalan Rising podcast. Uh, it's just me and Doc today, uh, but we're going to be reviewing uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, issue 27, Miss Marvel 26, Black Bolt 10, and Inhumans Judgment Day, issue 1, which um, I have strong opinions on, so look forward to that. <laughs> So yeah, we'll Doc, get into that. Yeah, how have you been? How been you five been? Weeks. I, I, I've been fine. Yeah, I've been good. Um, what about you? I've been doing just fine. Um, it's uh, it's been a while since we spoke. A lot's been going on in the wild world of the Inhumans, including uh, the conclusion of uh, Al Ewing's uh, tenure on Royals and, and Judgment Day, and some very cool stories going on in, in Moon Girl, Miss Marvel, and Black Bolt, as well as um, some cool books on the horizon, including uh, uh, the Lockjaw uh, miniseries um, from Daniel Gibblesmith and Carlos Villa, which I'm really looking forward to. I don't know if you're um, familiar with um, with uh, this guy um, Daniel Gibblesmith, but he's a a comedic writer from TV, and uh, he works on the um, on the Tonight Show, whichever the one with Stephen Colbert's on. I, say, I, um, I have no idea because I, I we don't usually get sort of American TV that much um, <laughs> he wrote he wrote this this sort of sort of children's book called uh, Santa's husband um, and it is a riot and I, I'm just very much looking forward to what he brings to lockjaw um, and on top of that we're also gonna get a, um, a free uh, zero issue for uh, a new secret warriors series um, uh, based off of the um, the Marvel rising uh, animated features. I don't know if this is the beginning of a whole new series or if it's just an ad- advertisement uh, for the for the animated features, but it's going to be uh, written by Devin Grayson with art by Marco Faia, and I am really looking forward to that because Devin Grayson is a writer who I've been following for a while, and I really like her work. That's good. Um, um, have yeah. you have you seen um, sort of Saladin Ahmed's new book, uh, Abbott? Issue one. Uh, one. I I I have it. I have not carved out a moment to read it yet, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and I, I think I am such a good book. It's like I, the only way I can describe it. If you're if you're a solely sort of Marvel DC reader, um, yes, is I can describe it as like well, okay, solely Marvel reader. I can describe it as a Jessica Jones esque thing, um, but where the main lead is is a is a black woman living in Chicago. Is it Chicago or Detroit or something like that? Um, but then it goes very Doctor Strangey. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, so <laughs> sounds good. I'm looking yeah, forward to it. That that was a really good book. I, I I sort of picked that up. I managed to get hold of it after it sold out, but I spent like three or four times the cover price on it. So oh yeah, it was it was expensive. That'll happen. Yeah, it was like um, eight quid where I could have bought it for two pound thirty had I just pre-ordered it. So I pre-ordered two and three because I, I reckon it's going to be a big hit for that studio because it's written for Boom Studios. Um, the art is very pretty too. Well, I've got it on my uh, on my little table, and I'm looking forward to uh, curling up with it later on. Um, but let's jump into the reviews because we got a lot to cover. Yeah. Um, so was it who should first? we start with? I, I reckon go for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Ah, uh, well, it's just Moon Girl these days. Um, <laughs> yeah. Devil Dinosaur is, 
has been vacant for a couple issues now. See, I but can't, I can't uh, say it just she's... for uh, just for the hope that he comes back one day, because yeah. I imagine he will. Yeah. Um, but it's not that she's uh, exactly lonely. She's got the thing and the Human Torch um, to keep her company right now. It's uh, the uh, second issue of the Fantastic Three uh, story arc, um, and it is uh, well, lots going on. She's there's this mystical presence this uh scary cosmic being called the omnipotent who or something like that uh that's coming to destroy the world and it's up to uh well to destroy all of reality it's up to moon girl to figure out a way to uh to fix this of course it's uh made all the more difficult by um the presence of the super scroll who's shown up to make matters worse um and well, and we don't need to go into the whole plot. It's 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 a it's a lot of fun to read. It, it, um, uh, Natasha Bustos is back on art duties, and I'm, I'm I just love the way she draws uh, Ben and Johnny and and even Herbie. Um, just such a blast. Um, I uh, I'm really liking this series, um, and I'm looking at the wrong thing. Ah, there we go. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure how things are going to go if if this is going to cross over at all with Marvel Two and One. I don't really think so, but um, I, I I'm I'm really digging the way that um, that uh, Moon Girl inter uh, Lunella interacts with um with with Ben and Johnny. Um, it's a uh, it really brings me back to the old days, uh, the old <laughs> the, the, FF days. There was a particular scene that I really enjoyed, um, which was when they were talking to Herbie, and there was like, uh, "Oh, you know, there's there's protocols are now unlocked, and things like, oh, you mean you're replacing Johnny over here on the Fantastic Four TV show?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, this book, right. this book now just got very meta. It's kind of right, you know, almost like She-Hulk levels of taking itself, <laughs> not taking itself too seriously, rather. It's yeah, such and." A their first four year into being a team doesn't go so well uh, trying to rescue Zoe's cat from a tree. They All of them are so used to uh, working independently they don't know how to be a team anymore and uh, it doesn't go well. Fortunately, the cat ends up saving herself, so everything's alright. Um, but they better get their act together soon because next issue, which should be coming out in about two weeks, um, they're going to have to face off against the Super Scroll, who has all the powers of the Fantastic Four, um, and that's going to be some tough deal. Um, looking forward to seeing how it goes down. Yeah, I, I, I quite like where this book is going. It's very kind of um, you know sci-fi esque again. Uh, well, I mean, I mean Marvel is sci-fi esque, but you know what I mean. It's kind of like it's it's becoming more of a it's changed somewhat as a book, I think. Kind of, kind of going from Moon Girl kind of discovering who she is, sort of thing, all the way to her working as a team. It's almost like I don't know. It's just like it's. I don't have to put it. Something's changed. Do you know what I mean? It has. It's 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 grown. Yeah. And I mean, every time you know, Lunella takes two, a couple steps forward in terms of her emotional growth and development. She takes a step back and, um, it's, uh, you know, she still needs to learn to rely on others and not feel like she, as the world's smartest person has to fix everything herself. Um, 
And that seems to be like a continuing plot point that that she struggles with. Um, And, I mean, it doesn't help that she's allied herself with these two (laughs) nitwits who... um, who also, uh, I mean, if they can gel together, I mean, there really was nothing that uh, the Fantastic Four couldn't take care of. But they needed, they needed to act as a family. They needed to act as a unit to really yeah. succeed. You know, Reed Richards couldn't do it all on his own. The Thing could never do it all on his own. They had, they had to do it as a team. And this is the challenge that's going to face the uh, Fantastic Three, is, is to really coalesce and, and, and work as a cohesive unit. Um, and if they can do that, they will prevail, and I imagine they will. So did you read the um, the kind of the mailbag at the end of it? Um, so there's someone who commented and basically said, uh, keen to see where you're taking this and waiting for the return of Devil Dinosaur. Um, and then uh, Chris Robinson, who I assume is the editor on... Miss Marvel? Oh, Will Robin- Will Robinson. Uh, well, it says at Chris Robinson. Um, oh, then I guess it is Chris Robinson. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, I'm sorry. I don't know. Why. Oh, I was thinking Will Moss. Uh, I, I mixed everything up in my head. Okay, so <laughs> what did Chris Robinson say? So um, he said, uh, so basically, speaking of waiting, waiting, what are you waiting for, True Believers? Grab some... Oh, that's the wrong bit. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, there's a thread or two in this series about patience, which is going to come in handy whilst you wait for Double D. It's going to be a while. <laughs> so, I mean, when, when they say it's going to be a while, comics come out monthly, so if everything takes a while in comics. so Right. It could be like two issues down the line, or, or ten, but at least he's coming back. At least we know he's coming back. We we will see. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, with, with the... Um... With Secret Warriors having ended, it's. I feel like I haven't seen uh, Devil Dinosaur in a dog's age. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I mean, I, I do. I do really enjoy Moon Girl, though. I think it's. Um, yes. It's just one of those books where you kind of read just to sort of just have a couple of laughs. It's um, funny enough. The same as Miss Mar- Marvel has been in the, over the last couple of issues. I think it's just been so utterly sort of. Enjoyable, strange, enjoyable, and strange, and just you know, it's similar to everything we love about humans, really. Right, yeah. Speaking of which, which was a uh, great segue. Speaking of which, <laughs> Miss Marvel number twenty-six. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's teenage well, wasteland. Um, teenage wasteland, and if we're releasing this on Wednesday, uh, Miss Marvel twenty-seven will already be on the stand, so you can go right from. Listening about this to, to reading to how it how how it uh, proceeds. Um, so again, Miss uh, um, Marvel. It's this is the second issue in which Kamala Khan play. It does not appear. She's not yeah. in this story. So it kind, of, um, it kind of ends from where obviously ends from where twenty twenty five ended. And it takes off straight yeah. from there. So yeah. Um, and uh, the this this villain, the inventor who's a real creep, has uh, set eyes on um, doing something terrible uh, with a, uh, a retirement home um, where he's got all of these old old uh, folks in, in sort of pods. I don't know what he's doing to them, but it's up to uh, Zoe and the Red Dagger and the Kamala Corps to, uh, to take care of things. Um, so in this issue, it begins... Right where the other one left off, where, where Zoe, who's dressed up as Miss Marvel, and Red Dagger have to fight this giant 
robot gecko monster <laughs> that the inventor has built. Um, it's just utterly ridiculous, isn't it? It's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, of course, a giant gecko monster. <laughs> exactly I mean, yeah. what you'd expect from a Marvel comic, right? Yeah. And apparently, if you yank out the white, the right wires from the robot giga gecko's giant monster, it explodes, <laughs> and and poor uh, Zoe gets splattered with all manner of lizard guts and whatnot. Viscera, exactly. Now, so Zoe goes back to Gabe's basement, which is kind of like the uh, clubhouse, the uh, for for. Um, for the taking care of business while Miss Marvel's gone team, and um, Zoe's trying to convince them, hey, we gotta we gotta take care of this business. The in, the inventor is this terrible guy, and and they need to to uh, take care of business here. And and um, you know, Gabe and and Nakia, they're like, oh, I don't know if we're up for this, and you know, well, anyways. Zoe's not having it, so she she decides she's gonna she's gonna take care of it on her own because she's read Pacor for Dummies and she's ready. <laughs> um, she's read of course, that doesn't go very well. Yeah, she 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 teams up with uh, the old codger that, on his rascal who, who first <laughs> alerted her to the uh, the problems at the um, at the uh, the, oh, the the sanctuary, the, the sanctuary right yeah. at the old folks' home. And that she and, and this dude are going to take care of business on their own. So they do. It doesn't go well at all. Uh, they both end up being captured by um, the inventor who's got all of the old fogies uh, locked into these, these chambers. And he's, I don't know what he's doing with them. Maybe batteries? I don't know. But it, it, it looks dastardly. And um, it seems as though he captures uh, Zoe. And so back at the back at the clubhouse, um, the red dagger shows up and he's like, look, guys, we got to get this going on. It's up to us. And that's pretty much where the cliffhanger goes down um, is that uh, the red dagger and what's left of the Kamala Corps are going to take care, take on the adventure. And uh, we'll see how it goes down. Um, Nico Leone provides the art along with Ian Herring. And it's just it's terrific. They yeah. they do work together and it's it's a uh, uh, light-hearted but but uh, still somewhat um poignant uh issue um and i'm just loving this series uh it's uh i it's funny because you know i i'm so into kamala khan and yet i didn't really miss her this issue because the extended cast um is so well fleshed out in this book that you know um I'm into it, you know, it's, uh, uh, Zoe has turned, she started off as this like one dimensional character who I couldn't give two cares about. And now I'm like really into her. I'm like, Oh, I hope she's going to be okay. And, uh, I like the red dagger a lot. And I like Gabe and, and Michael and, and Nakia. It's just, it's just a fun book. It's kind of like a, an Archie comic that's, uh, that's got action and science fiction in it. And, uh, I think there's an upcoming issue where they're going to pay a bit of homage to that because uh, uh, they're, they're, they do. Uh, uh, I'm not sure who who provides the art for the cover, but it's a uh, it's very much a parody of an old Archie uh, deal with with uh, <laughs> where they're in the soda shop drinking milkshakes and whatnot. It's weird because I never actually read this book until I started talking to you and Zarin about like 
the Inhumans books and stuff because Miss Marvel never really kind of grasped me very much. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of obviously since starting this podcast, I've been buying it, I've been reading it, and I've been genuinely enjoying it. But I think the best kind of uh, description of it that I think I've heard anybody say is the fact that Miss Marvel is. I think it might have been one of you guys actually. Um, it was the fact that Miss Marvel is almost like a Spider Man esque kind of character in the fact that it's it's a teenage character it's a set of teenage characters and they're all kind of learning how to move on in life and that sort of thing and i i i think that you know g willow wilson g willow wilson has really kind of caught that again um and i think it's something that's been missing from spider-man which is why yeah. lots of people enjoy this book over over the whole you know potentially over spider-man i don't know i, I don't know who's <laughs> I don't know who, what kind of people are buying uh, Spider-Man at the moment, but well, I think you're talking about the the original sort of Stan Lee, Steve Ditko yeah. era of Spider-Man, where he was in high school and, and he was this, and it was like the first time that 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 a superhero was presented as being a bit neurotic and self and not and self-conscious and you know and and not just being kind of perfect and always having the answers and whatnot. Because before him, it really was all just Superman and Batman, and they were like hugely competent they they never really struggled i mean they 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 had a hard time taking on lex Luthor or the joker or whatnot yeah. but they didn't deal they didn't deal with like your typical teenage angst type of stuff and um you know i, I mean I peter parker this... he's grown over the years and and yeah, kamala is very much uh a 21st century version of that you know yeah. it's um and uh, it's yeah, I've I really liked it. And you know what I, I appreciate is that um, is that um, you know, each script is really thought out. You know, nothing's ever been phoned in hmm. with this book because you got a lot of writers who who they they write like six or seven titles a month. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm sure if she wanted to, Miss Wilson could probably. Um, contract for another six or seven books at Marvel. Well, yeah, um, but, but basically, she, she's just writing this one. She's she's focusing on this one, and I think that pays off. Yeah, um, it's like it's like when you talk about sort of the writers that have been doing six or seven titles, and there is one person that comes to mind, which is is sort of ben, uh, Bendis, who's leaving for DC. Um, right. He he was a he was kind of like contracted to Marvel, so he was solely writing for them for like fifteen years or so. Good long so, while, yeah, it's a long while, and and but the thing is, is everybody kind of seems to have their every, everybody's good at writing specific characters. Do you know what I mean? I suppose sure. it's the same in life. Everybody's good at something in particular. Like you know, I'm good at design because it's what I do for a job. It's what I've trained to do. Um, but I think I think when you when you're writing, you can kind of see when when people are writing books potentially out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think. With this, this is very much in, you know, G. Willow Wilson's kind of area of expertise. Almost, it's, you know, what I mean. I think I've said it before. Where sure. It's, where it's kind of, you know, she knows these characters and she's fleshed them out really well. She's really, really paced the book well. Um, well, I'm sure she could do a fine job writing a different character, but oh, yeah, right definitely. now this is the one that she's she's focused on, and 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 it's really. It's it's like I said, it's not phoned in. It's it's uh, it's fleshed out. It's thought through. Yeah. Um, but it's, and that it's, gives it a sense of legitimacy. I feel like authenticity. Yes, I, I think I think she did it with A Force as well. Actually, saying that. 
Um, there you go. Where she wrote a really nice, a really kind of thought out book that was just genuinely really good. And, you know, I, I loved it when I read it for the first time. It's one of those books actually. Title. Yeah, I, I got it. Uh, I read it for Unlimited, and I think I might go get a trade just to kind of have it on my shelf because it is genuinely such a nice title. Um, you know, and it's it's kind of one of those things. She just she just writes characters so well, and she writes them very much, you know, almost on a personal level. So we kind of get to know them, and I really love that about this kind of book. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'm looking forward to today, I guess it'll be today, um, okay. reading the next installment because uh, I'm quite excited to see what's going on. And now there's a subplot that's been running through it uh, the last few issues. This, uh, one of one of Kamala's buddies, this kid, Nefeti, um, oh, is on the hunt. He's yeah. looking for He's looking for her, and uh, um, he might, in all likelihood, come across... The fact that she, you know, her secret identity and whatnot, and, and uh, it, 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 trouble could be afoot. So we'll find out what's happening. Which is good, yeah. So that's out today. This when this is being released, which is what the the uh, the fourteenth. <laughs> yes, right I guess it's also also Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to you. Uh, and, and to you, Doc. Oh, thank you. That's, that's really romantic of you. <laughs> so, is there, is there any is there any massive few thousand mile sweat stretch of um, water between us? So yes, well, it, 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 um, <laughs> oh, on a tangent. Let's move on to Black Bolt number ten. <laughs> Speaking of nice encounters and oh dear. Anyway, yeah, Black Bolt. Sorry. This issue is something else. Holy cow! Um, I got a lot of feelings about this one, and um, what happens is, you know, is is uh, uh, Black Bolt and Blinky they've come back to Earth, they've sought out Titan Titania to tell her about how you know her husband's noble sacrifice and whatnot, and at the funeral after the funeral for for Crusher, um, Lash appears and he abducts uh, Blinky, which leaves. Um, Black Bolt in this just this stupor of like oh my god I can't believe that just happened. Uh, fortunately, Titania is able to jostle him out of the stupor, and they're like we got to go rescue this 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 your your little friend. So they they do. Iso they connect connect with her via Black Bolt has a car. <laughs> by the way, that, that yeah. just showed up out of nowhere. But he's got a cool what, flying car make with a neat. Yeah, a neat communication system that he talks to New Adeline with, and they're like, yeah, we can't help you in terms of sending you reinforcements, but we we can tell you that, that Lash has been doing something weird over in Orlan in Greenland. So he and he and Titania zoom off in his flying car, heading to Greenland. They know it's a trap, but they go anyways, and they have a big old fight with Lash's minions. Gets good hero on villain action. And then Lash shows up, and he's got Blinky by the neck, and he's like, "Either you bow down to me, or I'm gonna choke this little girl." And you know, normally Black Bolt would be like, you know, "Screw you," and use his voice and obliterate him. But not only has he lost most of his powers, but he's also kind of lost a lot of the sort of the hubris pride that normally would have gotten in his way. So he actually bows down. Um, and then him and Titania both get knocked out by Fume who's an inhuman who can turn himself into noxious gas. 
you know, insert fart joke here. <laughs> um, and uh, when he wakes up, he's uh, Lash has got him hooked up into some machine. He goes on full villain monologue about how he's going to use the machine to create a new Terrigen cloud. It's going to it's going to suck all of um, Black Bolt's blood and derive the Terrigen from from his blood and it'll kill him but it'll create a new cloud that'll create a whole new generation of inhuman soldiers whom Lash will use to conquer the world and subjugate the human people and blah 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 um, and while this machine is doing its thing and uh, Black Bolt sort of fades in and out of consciousness his mind wanders into the astral plane and, and hooks up with Medusa who's there in the pages of Judgment Day and uh, the story kind of re- relitigates what happened in Judgment Day, um, which we'll get into in a second. Yes. Um, and eventually, he's he's pulled back um, into his body, and having seen Medusa and, and feeling like good about it, he 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 uses, he breaks free from the machine, and he's about to to uh, kick Lash's butt, but then. It turns out this machine has kind of poisoned him, and he falls over, and he's not feeling so hot. And and Blinky just loses it at seeing this, and she gets so scared that she starts to transform, and she changes into the jailer. And it's like, what is happening here? And um, in the past, we've seen that you know there's more to her telepathic powers that that sometimes she can manifest. What is hap- you know her bad dreams or her, her memories or whatnot into physical things and maybe she's doing something similar where 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 you know her fear has created this this monster in her body to change into the jailer or perhaps the jailer has infected her somehow and that he lives on in her body we don't know we're gonna have to find out um, but it is uh, it's an intense ride and. Um, I really dig the way that this comic. I mean, from being from beginning to end, this issue was filled with like all of your very typical superhero tropes. You know, uh, bad guy does this, and they go to the secret lair, and they have a fight, and they get trapped, and there's a master plan, and that, and a, and a villainous monologue, and all all amongst all these tropes. Uh, the the actual story is Black Bolt being this very kind of like motherly character doing anything to save his daughter, and um, so this what the story what what Ahmed and Ward have and um, uh, Stephanie Haas who uh, yeah, does the scene that's what I say um, her, her art is amazing fantastic. yeah I mean, yeah um, so the, what the three of them do is they tell this story that's a very very standard superhero story and they've managed to weave in this very kind of um, unconventional thematic where it's you know where it's not black bolt's autonomy and his super masculine power that's going to be the driving force but rather this issue of mutuality this this almost kind of like feminine type of power of, of, a, of a of a parent doing anything for their child that is uh you know really the the heart and soul of the thematic is it's uh kind of like the the latest step in, in black bolt's transformation from being a very kind of he, he, he when we when when we first 
before this series happened, Black Bolt was always this very kind of like hyper masculine character where, you know, he was emotionally distant. He was, um, kind of withholding and stoic. And he's really gone, made almost 180 degree turns to being this very, you know, feminine type of character who's all about caring and, and interpersonal, uh, interactions and, 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 you know, being parental, and it's a yeah, wild parental. transition. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, masculine and feminine, and only they're kind of like archetype, archetypal gender type of deals. Not, not. No, yeah, I, I know you're coming from. It's just like, um, but yeah, he's he's kind of taken on that role as an actual parent, as opposed to yeah, previously where it's kind of like, I mean, you go back to Uncanny Avengers, you know, the Zero issue, uh, Uncanny Inhuman, sorry, <laughs> wrong book. Um, sure, sure. You go back to the issue zero of that, and you just kind of think, well, yeah, he really has, like you said, made a, a one eighty degree turn from that, from what he was giving Kang his son, to right, right, to this, where he's he's kind of like, no, actually, I'm going to protect this this girl with, you know, his life basically, which is, you know, he's shown that he basically has. So, yeah, yeah. I, I again, this this team of Ahmed and Ward. And Stephanie Hans this uh, this issue as well. It's just ah, oh, it's insane. It's amazing. Yeah, the, the art is is brilliant um, throughout both both the the art by by Christian Ward as well as the 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 inter, interlude illustrated by um, Stephanie Hans. Um, just tremendous. Uh, I've run out of uh, of ways to praise it, so I'm not even gonna bother anymore. I dig it. It's excellent. Yeah, I, I think we've said it many, many times. So every, every time there's an issue, we always go on like a ten minute talk about like Ward's art. So, yeah. you know. But I'm really worried about Blanky. I mean, I'm I I feel like Black Bolt has. I've come to feel very parental towards her, and I'm worried about what this means for her. You know, is because you know, in a couple of issues back, uh, Panacea had had done a you know, had helped healed her and said, you know, there's something weird about her genes, something old about her, her cells and whatnot. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And now, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if, if there might be much more to the connection between her and the jailer than was originally presented there. And if, um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about what that might mean. Well, I, I, I have a, a slight theory that, that basically she has always been the jailer. But you know how her nightmares seem to like manifest and that kind of thing. In my opinion, right. the, the one that was in like the first five, the first arc of of Black Bolt, that was her nightmare. And oh. then, and she's the actual kind of jet. But you know, I could be well wrong. I could be completely and utterly no man. So it's it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. And I, I mean, it it's, could it, be that I'd love that, kind or it of could be that like that would be intense and kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, or it could be that the jailer had somehow, you know, left a, a sort of a parasitic residue in her from from the time in which she was incarcerated, and that sort of like, although he, most of him died, a, a, a portion survived on, um, sort of like the Shadow King and in, in, in Legion or whatnot. Um, yeah. So it, we'll it, find out. Yeah, she's definitely linked to him somehow, and I think it's just that that link that hasn't been quite expanded upon which is going to be really good and I, I again it's another book that i've absolutely loved so right well the the next the the preview art the are the cover art um 
it's quite scary looking. It's uh, this giant hand of the jailer holding Blinky above his mouth and Black Bull desperately trying to rescue her. And I just, oh, I hope he rescues her. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we'll I see. Guess. It's it's going to be definitely a really good issue, and I'm I'm really glad that this book is continuing. Um, although I don't know if I've seen any um, solicitations past issue twelve, though. Well, the uh, the issue twelve is slated for April, and and um, Marvel has not released its solicitations for May oh, yet. Okay. Yeah. I think. You know, 13 is a very difficult number for a lot of comic books because, um, you know, tw- 12 issues is, is, you can easily make that into two paperbacks. You know, if you add in a 13th, that means you gotta have a 14th, 15th, 16th. You know, that you gotta, you're, you're sort of committing yourself. So, um, well, I mean, and, the, and Christian has been releasing glimpses, I think. I'll have to check his, I'll have to check his Twitter feed actually, but, I, I just sure hope that this book isn't going to go anywhere too quickly. You know, I, I, well, I, the 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 scuttlebutt that I've heard is that despite the fact that the the series itself is not selling astronomically well, everyone in Marvel's really happy with it, and they kind of want it to continue on. Yeah. And so they might commit to another three to four issues um, past issue twelve, just because they want to. Because they're happy with with the work that Ahmad and Ward are doing, um, which, which I'd yeah. be ecstatic. For. Yeah, I would be too. And it's good for um, us because you know we we love the comics. We're exactly. first and foremost Inhumans fans, and I think that again, and I I, I don't want to sound like a massive pessimist. There, that's the only thing. It's it's just the fact that we've had Secret Warriors end, we've had uh, Royals end. You know, it just feels like this year is just going to be a massive big ending in a lot of well, ways i didn't have a whole lot of illusions that that the huge inhumans push was going to last a whole long time because you know they're not the avengers they're not the x-men they're not mainstream material yeah. and um despite the fact that nearly all of the books have been just fantastic reads they're, they're not big sellers they're they're not for everyone and marvel is a business um, and uh, they want to make money on what they do, and uh, these books aren't making a huge lot of money. Yeah, um, true. It, it just—it's just one of those things, though, because it's kind of like you know, you look at um, Boom Studios with Abbott with by Saladin. It's kind of that one sold out, and you kind of think, wow, okay. <laughs> so what? clearly he can—he clearly well, he can sell books, but obviously they're kind of shifting. An awful lot less. So, yeah, there the boom has a uh, a much smaller. Um, you know, I don't even know to what extent they even ship books to the, you know, the Southwest or whatnot. Um, uh, but um, I think that it's not going to be too long before um, they're going to want to try him out on a on a bigger book. I think that if Exiles ends up being a hit. Um, or continues to show this high quality of writing, I could totally see uh, Mr. Ahmed being asked to write Thor or Spider-Man or, or one of the bigger name books. I, I suppose um, the same goes for uh, Christian Ward as well, because if he can keep up this caliber every month, I'm I'm sure he can be put on another book. He can be 
taken well it's a different thing i think i mean i think christian awards art is amazing but it's not it's not mainstream comic book art you know um and some people i think they're this is you know hey Everyone has their own taste, but some people are kind of turned off by by things that that deviate too far from the house style, you know. Yeah. Um, like even even Mike Del Mundo, who who illustrated uh, a good portion of Judgment Day, um, I think his art is fantastic. Um, he had a run in the Avengers, the the Kang War, um, which I thought was spectacular, I, and it turned I, out that that, that run didn't. That run didn't sell very well. People, sort of like your average reader, wasn't that into the art um, because it wasn't super recognizable. It didn't, you know, you, it didn't look the way that Marvel comics normally look. You know, yeah, where Which ev- is, everyone has like muscles and all that jazz. And, it's a shame, really, because I, I guess I, I don't know whether it is the reason why we're kind of drawn to the Inhumans, but I, I guess I really like sort of out of the ordinary slightly odd slightly weird artwork because you know maybe that's just me but you know traditional yeah. traditional stuff like you know the captain americas the iron mans they can they can sit there they can be fine but I, I i just really love kind of out of the ordinary stuff and you know maybe we are in a bit of a minority but well when something is ex- when something is different it's going to actually when something's really good it's going to have people who really love it and people who really don't like it um, you know, I personally, I love Chris Bachelot's artwork. Yeah. Uh, do you know who he is? And uh, didn't he do, but I know X-Men. people, Bendis is uncanny X-Men. he did he's done a number of different, yeah. I think most recently he's been doing Dr. Strange. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I know people whose opinion I respect who, who they say, oh, I hate that. I can't, I can't see what's going on. It's too detailed. It's too busy. And I'm like, really? What's wrong with you? But Hey. Different strokes, different yeah, folks, what they uh, say. Exactly. Oh. I mean, I, I love detail because I, you know, I, I like the detail in things. I, I don't think I'd be an engineer if I wasn't. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, <laughs> I, I, yeah, just weird, weird art does it for me. Or not weird art, but you know what I mean? It's kind of out of the ordinary art stuff that is, goes against the normal. You know? um, but then, then, you know, you have more. You know, not busy, but more streamlined artists like someone like Chris Samey, Samey, and I love his art. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh it's, that because he's he's on the current Captain America run, isn't he? Um, yes, he is, and and yeah, it's a good book. I really like it, but I think it's it's the kind of artwork where I apologize for saying this because I I don't mean how it's going to sound, but I was going to say it's it's artwork that you know will sell. So, well, I suppose it's, that's it's, true. It's, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of what you were saying with the whole, um, you know, Del Mundo, um, Kang War, Avengers Kang War. You know, it's right. kind of the, the the sales dipped because of the artwork because people aren't used to seeing that kind of wow. This is the high detail, highbrow kind of artwork. So, well, I mean, I don't know if that's the reason it didn't sell or not, but um, I'm, I'm speculating. But yeah, I mean, there are certain illustrators, I think like, you know, like George Perez, you always know what you're getting from that dude. And you can always, it's always going to be high quality. Yeah. Um, and then you have other artists who, you know, take different, different routes and are put a very distinctive, unique style on it, their own style. And, and, uh, sometimes it's fantastic and people love it. And sometimes other people are like, no, that's not for me. Um, 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, it's uh, that's I think that's the difference between Mike Del Mundo and Kevin Lebranda in Judgment Day. Um, to be quite honest with you, because they are very very different styles, and they are, you know, very, very kind of oh wow, this is a this is a change. Um, yeah, you know, a they, shift. Yeah, it, it's kind of like it's just that difference. I I, I think people are going to notice. Now, all that aside. I do think that if if Black Bolt was to end, that Christian Ward would be a fantastic choice to like illustrate Thor or Silver Surfer or a yeah. book like that. I think um, that uh, I think it would be great. Now I hope Black Bolt doesn't end. I hope you know I want Christian Ward drawing Black Bolt for another thirty issues. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, have, have you seen? Um, did you see his cover that he did for Doctor Strange? I believe it was. I did. Cover. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think well, he'd I, fit for that as well. I think he's just such a. Absolutely. He's such a. He's got such a knack for just making it look kind of out there, but not. Do you Do you know what I mean? It's kind of. It, it looks. It's so it's good. electric. Yeah, exactly. And it's just. Yeah, Marvel keep hold of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now what we've been the the main course. <laughs> yeah. Judgment Day, the end of the run. Um, I, I feel like Judgment Day is is a, is good, like it's just a judgment from us as well, because I, I think we're gonna have different opinions on this. Yeah, I I think that's a fair it's a fair deal. Now we don't. You, I mean, it's a long story. Do we, do we need to break down the entire narrative, or um, I think I, a real quick synopsis. I think I think try, somewhere in between, I guess, because. Okay, so there's the, a lot going on. The, yeah, the uh, the progenitors are are uh, are coming to Earth, um, and the royals have made it back to Earth. Just you know, with just a little time to prep things together. Um, these progenitors are just like space gods, and <laughs> there's very little chance of defeating them in a conventional means. Um, so to prepare themselves, they figure like we can't let the progenitors get to Earth. So they set up a whole new base of operations on the moon called New Archelon, um, that Flint built all on his own using his uh, augmented or primogen infused rock controlling powers, something like that. Um, and there, it's from this base on the dark side of the moon that they're going to try their best to defeat the progenitors. They have no idea how to do it. But they do know that the one time that they were able to, to knock a progenitor off balance was to expose it to pure emotion. That these beings have like absolutely logical minds, like a computer almost, and it couldn't quite make heads or tails of emotion. And it got really off-centered, um, enough so that they were able to destroy one, although it was just like a maintenance spot, so <laughs> it might be a bit harder with their uh, with their stronger units. So, Black Bolt, I mean, uh, huh, Maximus has come up with a plan that they need to intercede on the astral plane or some sort of um, magical plane that, that sort of defies the natural laws of, of, of logic and science and whatnot. And he's made up this sort of goofy word, flub, or flub, 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 
and and he's and he's given the he's made it he's written on a, a braille tile and given it to reader, and reader can manifest into reality anything that he reads, and um, you know and reader's like that's not how my powers work really, but uh, Maximus gives him this sort of Noam Chomsky read on on things like look words are just fill-ins man just use your imagination create I, I, I an astral that was plane. I thought that was really it clever was. because it's kind of it's quite a nice take on this power because if you if you know the meaning for something in your mind like I don't know we've all got like nicknames for stuff um, sure I don't know um, I, I think <laughs> you just kind of, you, you have those nicknames you know you identify what they're with and it's just kind of like well why can't his power work like that and I just thought that was a really quite clever touch yeah um, it's very um very Lacan, um, and uh, so this flu, which is a nonsense word, is sort of creates a shorthand for a neither world of, of thought and emotion, a place where then maybe they'll be on equal footing with with the uh, with the progenitors. Unfortunately, readers' powers need to recharge um, before he can teleport the entire team to this neither world. But they've run out of time. The uh, the overclass exterminator class progenitors have shown up, and it'll only be a matter of moments before Archelon and all of its inhabitants are, in, inhabitants are eliminated and everything goes to shit. So, not having enough time, Reader just sends Medusa to this neither realm. She goes off to Flube, um, and this is where the um, illustration shifts from being uh, uh, drawn by Lambranda to being illustrated by uh, Mike Del Mundo. And boy, does he does a fantastic job. It's really wild looking. Yeah. Um, it's this wild desert atmosphere um, with like decrepit statues, one of, of, of Black Bolt, another of Gorgon and, and Medusa's. She's like, she's rather confused. She's like, she thought herself to be the worst possible candidate uh, to be sent in to do the battling because, you know, she sees herself as broken. Her she, She's dying. Her power is gone. She's lost her hair. She's totally, like, kind of at, at rock bottom, a feeling that she is, has failed as a leader. Uh, you know, she let Gorgon die. She's kind of lost hope. Um, why should she be sent in? But Maximus, I guess he knew what was, he was thinking because... Um, he sent her instead, and it turns out to work out. I don't, I don't um, know whether it could be because he has a cheat of uh, being able to talk his, to his five thousand year old self. <laughs> yes, <laughs> potentially. Uh, well, Medusa, she doesn't have much time to wallow in self doubt because this realm has got predators and this like this serpentine energy, which seems to be a manifestation of her own doubt, starts to attack her and and like suck her in, and she's and she's being eaten and um her mind calls out and, and she calls out uh to the one person whom she's been able to depend on in the past and that's her husband black bolt and somehow we find out later that is because of what's going on in the black bolt series he's available his mind finds her mind and he is brought in and he he frees her from the from this black snake looking monster and and he's like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" <laughs> you know, um, so, so, so what you're just saying, yeah. what you're just saying then about his mind being free and that sort of stuff is is kind of weird because in in their own way, and I hadn't, 
I, I guess I hadn't really. There was potentially a bit of emotional depth to that, being that yeah. they're both kind of at the the worst that they felt in a long time, at the bottom of their own kind of individual situations. You know what I mean? So they're both really quite down emotionally, that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I didn't kind of see that context before. You know, it's. Uh... It, it was a neat kind of uh, culmination of the two plots because, um, you know, if if not to save Blinky, uh, Black Bolt, he's, you know, he's he's not feeling good about himself. He's He was kind of like thinking, you know, here here were all these new Inhumans that Lash had te- had brought forward, and they're all pretty pissed at him because it's because of him that, that their lives got, you know, upended. And he's like... It would be totally just for them to kill him. He would accept that fate. So he's like, you know, he's feeling pretty down and and self-condemning, and so is Medusa. And they both end up in this neither flu realm together, (laughs) and they end up using each other to create a unified strength, um, which um, ends up allowing both to ultimately prevail. So, like, time doesn't take doesn't occur normally in the flube dimension. Um, they end up, the two of them, like walking through this desert for seemingly forever. And as they walk, they, instead of, you know, one carrying the other, they sort of lean into each yeah. other and create a mutual strength through uh, one another. Um, and um, they kind of like talk about things. Um, she talks about her the relationship she had with Gorgon, and he asks her if 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 she still loves him, if if Medusa still loves Black Bolt, and she says that you know she's not sure. I mean, she misses him, but doesn't miss what they had. That uh, she doesn't want to go back to what their relationship had been, and Black Bolt he's cool with that. He's like, yeah, I I didn't treat you right. Um, I don't want to go back either, but. You know, we can go forward, and they both agree they're going to go forward. They're going to carve out a new future. Um, but before they can do that, um, the threats they're both for facing come back, and Black Bolt is pulled back to to deal with Lash, and Medusa is forced to deal with the Overlord Progenitor, who has somehow found its way into the Flube dimension and attacks her, and. Here things get a little weird. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but she, um, the the sort of sense of, of of love and and well, we'll just call it love. Um, it somehow allows her to overcome what has been preventing her from from uh, reinitiating her powers. You know, like she touched the primogen, and it didn't do anything to her. Um, and it turns out it didn't do anything to her because she didn't let it. She didn't feel she was worthy or deserving of it, and so nothing, so it never affected her. But because of the conversation, I guess, or the coming to terms, the reconciliation she had with Black Bolt, she has found a new desire to live and a new acceptance of, of, the, of fate. And that causes the Primogen to finally work, and her hair comes back to life, and somehow this sort of magical feeling of emotion and whatnot um, 
overloads the circuits of the progenitors. They can't handle it, and they all fall apart and explode. Um, and she wakes up back in the reality, and it's back to Lembrata doing the illustration, and her hair has exploded. She's got a ton of hair now. And no one quite knows what happened because to them, they're like, she was only gone for a brief second. But in that second, all the progenitors who were coming to invade have just tumbled into empty pieces of armor and, and, and there. And back on, back on the world farm, the progenitors are monitoring what's going on. They're like, oh crap, we just sent a bunch of units to Earth and they all just got destroyed by some un, un, were some force that we can't quite define because it defies logic. So let's avoid Earth forever. <laughs> and uh, because there's a, a there's a great deal of a threat there. And then this voice comes out like, "Oh no, the threat is here." And uh, the last page reveals that Gorgon is still alive. He's uh, he's still empowered by Primogen and he's ready to kick some serious ass. And that's where the uh, issue ends. Yes, and. So, so there was a lot of emotional con- right. There was a lot of emotional context throughout that issue. I I appreciate that, and I appreciate it quite a lot. But it doesn't help the fact that this book just feels kind of like a rushed ending, uh, which you know Al Ewing has more or less said. Um, the progenitors were just kind of oh, oh, oh emotion, bat them away. There you go. You know it. It was it was a culmination of everything that's happened in Royals, but it it didn't go far enough. I didn't think. Um, it felt anticlimactic to you. Yeah, massively. Um, I mean, I, I I kind of I like the idea that emotion is 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 really powerful and that kind of stuff, and a whole primogen not being ready for it or whatever, or you know, yeah. But it just didn't feel like it was the ending that we deserved. And I know that sounds a bit kind of oh you know with the comic with the fans we we deserve everything, but huh, right. I I don't know it just didn't feel like it was the ending that we deserved from this story because it up to that point it had been really quite good and then it just felt rushed. I can't help but well I think it, 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 we can't deny that it was in some ways rushed. I mean I think what you know this whole fire from heaven storyline was probably something that, that that mr ewing had planned to flesh out a bit more before he concluded it um and because of sales they had to end the story and they gave him judgment day as a way to wrap things up so he only had you know 30 some odd pages to to conclude things with and um you know so, yeah, I but just, it, it was. I, I just feel like that when we go forward with you know whatever comes next in, in the human stuff, I feel like we're going to look at Judgment Day, we're going to look at Royals, and we're going to think, hey, that that's a really good series up until the last two issues or so, and you just kind of think, oh, yeah, it sort of teetered off. Well, I don't know if I feel that way. I um, I think it is a very difficult challenge to. Um, to deal with these kind of things because I mean, you know, the summation is that the progenitors were defeated by love. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard to not make that cheesy. I mean, it's, or corny or, or to come across as, as, uh, um, a cop out. Um, uh, it uh, is, yeah. but then that's, that's one of like the defining comic book tropes and movie tropes and TV tropes of, 
all time. That's <laughs> modern entertainment is quite often based on that trope. So, I yeah, I, I guess that everything just fell into place very easily. Um, you know, the ability yeah. to take them out and that kind of stuff. It just happened in one panel. I, I guess I was hoping for yeah, you know, Judgment Day. In my opinion, should have been like five issues. It should have been its whole arc, but... Yeah. Well, anyone who was coming hoping to see all the Inhumans in a huge battle royale against these um, space gods that were definitely came away disappointed because it really was just a story about Medusa and Black Bolt and the other Inhumans were there just ancillarily. Yeah. They, they didn't play a role. And I know that a lot of fans were disappointed by that. I, I think that... Um, that doing things that way has its drawbacks as well because, you know, um, they could have had a big fight and whatnot, and then they would have had to come up with some deus machima type of yeah. uh, way they won regardless. Um, uh, I, I guess I, I, guess, yeah, I guess my biggest complaint is just too short. Too short. Yeah, well, there yeah. you go. Um, I, I think if, if Al Ewing had been able to flesh it out and actually kind of get everything that he wanted to do onto, onto paper, then I, I think it would have been a much bigger story. Um, I, I like what he did, don't get me wrong, and I, I really love the art in this issue, and I really like that sort of stuff, but I feel like with uh, for one of Marvel's kind of best writers at the moment, he feels like he, you know, not him personally, but it feels like Marvel have kind of said to him, right, you need to wrap this up in one issue. Just, you know, yeah. concentrate well, everything more, down. More... More to the point, they probably said, you get to wrap this up in one issue because um, uh, I think that it, you know, it could have just been cancelled. Yeah, I mean, with, the, but then I again, mean, the, there this, are comics out there that that end with, and you don't know how what happened. <laughs> just that's true. It just goes away. But I think um, that this this could have easily been basically Royals thirteen, you know, which I guess it was. I guess that was the intention, but. It, yeah, it was. I mean, uh, and and some people. Uh, I, I read a couple of reviews online, and one person was 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 confused. He he or she was saying, "I'm looking forward to the next issue to see what happens." And you're yeah. like, uh, "Well, you got a long wait, buddy." Cause yeah, <laughs> but that's that's what that's again. That's what I kind of you know I I kind of get that because it feels like the start of something new, but yet it just ended everything that came before it. You know. How did I, I well, think... you know, when a when a when a, a writer comes on board to 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 write a, a franchise like this, um, they sometimes have a certain obligation to put the toys back on the on the shelf from which in in the order they found them. Um, and I'm glad he didn't do that. Like he uh, he definitely left a lot of of um, pieces in new places and and uh, uh, whomever. And whenever um, the Inhumans show up again, it'll be interesting to see what 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 it all means. Um, yeah. You know, will Primogen be um, somehow distilled into a new source of Terrigen, or will the Inhumans be like super powered because of this, or like extra more powerful than they were before? Um, we don't know. Um, will Flint get his regular body back? Um, Will Medusa always have a huge amount of hair, um, more so than normal? Will Maximus go back to being a bad guy? Um, yeah, I, I think there's lots of scope. But I, 
I feel like there's also going to be a lot of retcons from this series, the Royals. Um, I think that's going to be... That's a possibility. Well, I, I think I, I don't think that they can have Maximus communicating with his 5,000-year-old self, or at least all of his selves, through that time, if you, you know what I mean. Um, well, it was sort of intimated that's always what's happening. He's just been a bit confused by it, that he's not always able to decipher what is present, what is past, what is future. And that's why he comes across as seeming mad. Yeah. And he isn't mad. He, he doesn't actually have uh, psychosis or schizophrenia. He's actually just talking to a himself. bit overwhelmed <laughs> by uh, experiencing things in a f- sort of five-dimensional fashion, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, hum- humans have been retcon more than your average comic book. I mean, everyone's always got to do a new take. Um, I mean, we, we just a couple of weeks ago we finished up, uh, Christopher Priest's Once in Future Kings, which doesn't gel with, with the Inhumans history at all. But you're like, oh, I'll enjoy it anyways. Um, yeah. And if they do, if they do retcon aspects, aspects of the, of the Royals, then c'est la vie. It is yeah. what I, it is. I think um, there's yeah, there's a few things I would probably change personally and I think that you know, the book the, the book was really well done. I really, really, really enjoy Al Ewing's writing, don't get me wrong, but Yeah, I just it was a it was an ending maybe that we you know, that I personally think could have been done slightly better, but I'm not the one making the business decisions, so I, I can't really comment too much on that. <laughs> uh, you know, well, I, you know, it's it, it's endemic to a lot of comic books. I mean, I there's I can think of plenty of series where the build up was better than the payoff. I think figuring out how to how to how to resolve these kind of stories is a lot harder than creating the stories themselves. You know, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I, I don't think know that's... how I even start trying to figure out how to come up with a with a resolution for this one because um, I mean, yeah, other than some sort of deus ex machima i can't think of how the the inhumans could have defeated the progenitors um yeah certainly in sheer power i mean i uh, I just really hope the inhumans are gonna have some more books announced soon which apparently there is kind of like people uh who is it who's the chief editor at marvel at the moment is it tom brevort well, he's he he's. I'm not sure who what his what the position the the current editor in chief is a guy whose name is C. B. Borowski oh, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I remember. Or maybe his name is Akita Hiroshima or something like that. I don't know, but um, but but Tom Bravut <laughs> is um like assistant editor. He's someone of power, and he has said, you know, keep your eyes peeled. There, there's going to be more in human content ahead uh he might have been referring to lockjaw and the exiles. 11th and 12th issue of black bolt and exiles or he could be thinking about something down the line i think my guess is that is that the royal family will stay on the shelf for a good couple of months um that Wait. they'll they'll let things percolate for a while before bringing them back and then um, you know i can understand that i i think we i think i definitely think we need a new humans team um, absolutely, like Flynn, ISO. Um, we we need another all new an all new Inhumans team. That's what we need. Oh, you're you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I say, I mean, we, we're not exactly going to disagree on that. I don't think. So no. But no, I, I it does feel a bit 
you know, a bit kind of like an ending, a bit too much like an ending, I think. Um, well, I think for now it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we're going to kind of, obviously the podcast is still with you. We've still got Black Bolt, still got Miss Marvel, still got Moon Girl, Exiles and Lockjaw to come. Um, we're still going to have loads of stuff to go over, but it, it's just, for the royal family, it just kind of feels a bit sort of, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> bye, bye for now. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, this this deal where uh, Disney has acquired the intellectual properties of the 20th Century Fox, um, I think it's still going through. They're working through the nitty-gritty of it. But, yeah. I mean, we've already seen this huge surge of, of investment on the comic book side in the X-Men with new X-Men books coming out of every corner yeah which which is um, good because because they're being written by really great writers um you know whereas before it was kind of they they seem to be written for the sake of being written whereas now you've got matt rosenberg on new mutants you've got kelly is it kelly thompson on rogan gambit um matt rosenberg wrote well, I, Resur- resurrection i think not i same. wouldn't i'm not gonna say that i mean yes those are great writers and i think there was good writers on it before yeah. i mean i i think that cullen bunn is fantastic and i think that um that uh dennis hopeless did a really good job yeah. on all new uh x-men but there was i think definitely limitations put on what they could and could not do they didn't want anything novel or innovative coming out of uh, the X-Books, they didn't want anything that, that Fox could use as, as fodder for their movies and whatnot. And now that's off the table. And, uh, it, um, so let's get to the, the point is that we're going to have a couple of months of like a lot of X-Men content. Mm. And everyone who's been yammering and kvetching about the Inhumans taking over the X-Men, blah, 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 they're going to be completely sated. I mean, they're not going to have anything to complain. Well, they'll, they'll complain about something, but they won't have they won't have to complain about the Inhumans anymore. And then a couple months down the line, maybe a new Inhumans title comes out, and people might be willing to give it more of a fair shake because it won't be for it won't be viewed as X Men light. You know, it won't yeah. be viewed I, I, as as interlopers. And that was kind of what the biggest issue with all new Inhumans was was it was it was basically. The Inhumans book that the Inhumans didn't, uh, the the X Men book that Inhumans basically got, um, yeah, even down to the wheelchair, was, you know, <laughs> the wheelchair leader. And it was like the best X Men book that had come out in months. Yeah. It just happened to not involve the X Men, yeah. and people people hated that. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm, I'm an X Men fan myself, so I was yeah. like, yeah, this is kind of a rough deal for them, but. It still was a fantastic read, and I can't believe more people didn't read that book because that's some top-notch superhero comics right there. And episode three, um, we interviewed uh, James Asmus, um, right? Which is which uh, who is really, couldn't have been a cooler dude. Which is crazy to um, think that that was like eighteen months ago. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, that's another thing that's come out of just reading the humans as this podcast came out of it. I don't want to get all soppy or anything, but that's been really good. But. Yeah, I think the power um, of the power of love has defeated the progenitors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can defeat them myself. The yeah, power yeah. of friendship. <laughs> but no, I, I think uh, the next few months is going to be varied. I think we're going to have um, cool titles come in, especially with Exiles. Um, yeah, I, I actually can't wait for that book. April's going to be. Uh, it looks very exciting. Yeah, I mean, April is actually a really good month for comic books altogether because. 
I think we've got um, Exiles that month. Um, I believe there's a new X-Men. I've, I've subscribed to loads of stuff. <laughs> like April is the first month I'm going to be getting into a lot of uh, different comic books. Um, my issue was is my subscription had gone up to £75. <laughs> over oh, 20, 26 titles. So I was like... Yep, I'm gonna not get that one, not get that one, <laughs> not get that one. So, hunt for yeah, the, that's well, a lot of comics. Yeah. Uh, and before we wrap up, I know that you are a huge Iron Man fan. Do you have uh, strong feelings about uh, Dan Slott taking over the book come uh, May? Um, well, the thing is, he's divided a lot of people on Spider Man. Because there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that kind of, before Dan Slott came along, they're like, oh yeah, Spider-Man's great. But they, they didn't like Dan Slott's stuff. But mm-hmm. he did write Superior Spider-Man, which was apparently one of the kind of the best taken series of an awful long time. But, but then equally he came after, what was it, One More Day? Which is apparently mm, the, yeah. the, the worst Spider-Man story ever written by anyone, ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, well... <laughs> So, uh, so I, I think, yeah. I think he's, I think he's definitely a good choice. But I, I think I'll wait for the comic book to come out because it is a shame that Bendis is leaving. I think because he was on, he was on so many books. Like Jessica Jones, that's been brilliant. Yeah, Iron Man's been really. I good. mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of of Bendis's writing. I don't, I mean, I know he divides a lot of readers, but um, he I, me I like it. Mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, I mean, think, I think. Sorry, go ahead. His his Iron Man hasn't really been about Tony Stark at all, though. It's been about uh, Doctor Doom and Riri Williams. So, I mean, I, I know that you're you're a fan of Tony Stark, right? Yeah, I mean, but then again, Riri Williams and Doctor the Doctor Doom one was actually I thought it was a really good ending. Um, yeah, I love that with Mephisto at the end. That was a, that was quite a clever plot twist. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think. Bendis is going to be missed because I suppose this is the kind of the last episode where he's going to be in the Marvel, um, sort of writing team. I suppose his books are his books. February is the well, last month his books come out. Now, um, is comics anything's possible? Yeah, he could come back. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, you know. Yeah, he he has divided opinions previously, especially in my mind, especially with like Civil War and stuff because. Civil War was kind of like half a dozen to one, six to the other, being kind of really good to... Oh, C- Civil War Part 2. Uh, yeah. Because so... the original Civil War was Mark Millar, I think. Yeah, uh, he, he's another guy well... who divides opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we got everything. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting episode. Um, All right. We look forward to talking to you soon. We'll have more news when next we broadcast. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully a few more comics as well. Because four books in five weeks doesn't seem like very many. But yes, I'm... but it's four good <laughs> books. I'll take yeah, four good yeah. books over uh, fifty mediocre ones anytime. <laughs> Definitely. But for now, have a good, uh, good few weeks before we record again. And uh, you got it. Tune in a few a few weeks time. Ten four. Thanks for listening, everyone.